Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Death Threat Approved? Facebook's About Face. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again grappling with social media and online terms and conditions. Now, if you followed virtual legality in the past, you know this is a topic of some significant consideration for us here. And one of the things that we've talked about on those episodes is the fact that social media giants, and they're not alone, corporations in general and other folks that you might enter into a contract with, tend to use vague standards in their terms and conditions, in their contract provisions, because vagaries allow the the side, the party that's deciding on what those ambiguities mean, a great deal of power. Today's story, we're going to talk about Facebook, who we've talked about before as having issues with their terms and conditions, having issues with Google and Apple and some other things in the past six months. But in this case, they seem to have made the opposite error in judgment. And in that case, I mean that they were too precise in what they wound up saying. So let's take a look at what the last 24 hours held for Facebook. And to do so, I've got a Twitter feed up here from a source that I'm not terribly familiar with. So make of it what you will. But it's called News Shoot. And this was the best source that I found on Twitter that had archive uh, imagery of the Facebook terms and conditions for the past 24 hours or so. And the reason I needed to find that imagery is because Facebook has made not one, not two, but three changes to its violence and community standards policies in the past 24 hours because of what people thought about the original version of the language that they put out there a couple days ago. So this site, Twitter, this Twitter feed of News Shoot had the best imagery, which I'm going to pull up now, to talk about what Facebook did. And these are their community standards. So if you're not familiar with Facebook, you're not familiar with social media terms and conditions, you haven't been following previous virtual legality episodes, the terms and conditions of these sites are basically divided into parts and they try to be plain or simple English so as to provide uh, maximal understanding for their users, but also, as we've talked about in previous episodes, maximal ambiguity to allow them the ability to decide what is going to be a violation and what is not. And about 24 hours ago, this hit my news feed on Twitter and other places on social media, that Facebook had updated its uh, violence community standards. And and these are the standards that say, hey, don't do these kinds of things in respect of violence, uh, or we're going to kick you off Facebook, or we're going to delete your post, we're going to do other bad things to you. Only this had some very specific language in here, some of which you see highlighted. They say, do not post... Threats that could lead to death and other forms of high severity violence. So we're really talking about death threats of any target where the threat is defined as any of the following. Statements of intent to commit high severity violence. So in other words, I'm going to kill Bob or calls for high severity violence. Someone should kill Bob. Okay, 
that all makes sense so far, right? But they had added in a parenthetical. And we're going to talk about how this wound up getting in there, how it got past their legal division, what exactly happened when they were drafting this. But they added in this parenthetical. So these are things that will be allowed. This is an exception to the general prohibition on saying someone should kill Bob. Unless the target is an organization or individual covered in the dangerous individuals and organizations policy or is described as having carried out violent crimes or sexual offenses wherein criminal predator status has been established by media reports, market knowledge of a news event, etc. In other words, you're not allowed to say, hey, someone should kill Bob unless he is on a specified list of individuals that we have deemed worthy of such threats, dangerous individuals and organizations. Uh, And generally, Facebook is acting here on a kind of moral authority. They say, all right, we drafted this up. We looked at our terms and conditions, and we've made this list of what folks generally would describe as the beyond the pale groups, the Nazis. We don't want anybody to have any problem saying we should kill all the Nazis on our on our site. The problem with that is, on a kind of broad legalistic perspective, is that their list isn't limited solely to Nazis. Their list is inclusive of a lot of different groups. They specific one we're going to talk about in a second, but it's inclusive of a group that they call organized hate uh, that is defined very ambiguously. And it would provide them, if this parenthetical were in their community standards, and if you go to this while you're watching this or you're listening to it in podcast, you can go to their community standards and see this is not the language on their current policy because it was changed this morning and then it was changed at noon and then it was changed this afternoon. Uh, And if this were to stand, this would essentially say, Facebook would say, hey, you can't make death threats. You can't say somebody should kill this person unless it's on a list of people that for all practical purposes, the functional reality of Facebook would be, hey, yes, you can give death threats to these people. Facebook has self-selected a number of groups of which you are allowed to issue death threats, other threats of high severity violence, and we are totally okay with it. That's one problem in and of itself. We're going to see how that problem persisted throughout the day. The secondary problem that I see is one we've talked about in virtual legality before is this kind of overbreadth, this ambiguity in the precision that they've set forth that they actually say you are allowed to issue death threats or in in this case call for death threats for someone who is described as having carried out a violent crime or sexual offense wherein the status, the violent or sexual offense status of this person was established by media reports or market knowledge of a news event. Now, this is particularly ironic coming from Facebook this year, right? If you followed Facebook in the news in 2019, you know that Mark Zuckerberg has been before Congress. He has issued apologies about fake news. They have long discussed issues with 2016, with Russian websites, with all these various other things that have, quite frankly, caused a lot of people to question the uh, reality of what they are seeing on Facebook in and of itself. And by adding this in the parenthetical, by actually having a bit of language that says, you are allowed to call for the killing of someone based not, as a lawyer, on them actually having carried out a violent crime or sexual offense, but as having been described as carrying out a violent crime or sexual offense by media reports or quote-unquote market knowledge, which I can only as a lawyer interpret to mean what everybody thinks is true. Now, if you're like me, you look at that and you say, well, that's not a great thing. 
because I'm on social media all the time and I look at the way these stories go down the line and I know for a fact that what everybody thinks is true at 2 p.m. May, may well have been proven false by 5 p.m. And that happens all the time. That's the way our current news cycle works. And that's not attributing any malice or bad intent or bad faith towards any of the people that are reporting these things. If you followed a major news item, even including things like a terrorist attack or a shooting while it's happening on Twitter or on Facebook or on whatever it is that you're watching it on on social media, you know how often the immediate aftermath of the event, the, the news reports that you get in that aftermath are completely wrong. Because there is this kind of fog of war, there is this kind of chaos in the reporting on the ground as something is happening. And I would hate to have somebody have the ability to make these true threats, these threats of high severity violence towards someone who's accused of something, is described as having done something, but hasn't been tried in a court of law, hasn't really been tried at all, especially if we're talking about a description of events that has happened at the time. And so Facebook did this. They have these parentheticals that say, hey, if you've got market knowledge of a news event, if everybody thinks this thing happened and everybody thinks that Bob did this bad thing, then it's okay with Facebook that you can call for people to kill Bob. You can call for people to kill Bob that live near Bob. And that's a really odd thing. Facebook is not generally known for soliciting death threats, but you look at this policy and you say, why is that parenthetical even there? It's really, really strange. Going on with their policy, they say, hey, uh, including content where no target is specified, but a symbol represents the target. If you just use a symbol, everybody should kill the Star of David, things of that nature. That's going to be considered a threat of violence. Statements advocating for high severity violence, which is a little bit hard to distinguish as a lawyer from calls for high severity violence. You're just advocating it rather than calling for it. Very strange. But again, Probably not their full legal department that was in charge of this. And then you see the full parenthetical description that we just talked about applied for those statements advocating for high severity violence. So if you advocate for people's death, if you advocate for groups destruction, if you call for somebody to destroy those groups or to kill that person, that's going to be okay. So long as they appear on Facebook's, it's okay to call for the death of these people list. Or if the media reports that these people did bad things, or if it is generalized market knowledge that these people did bad things. Same for aspirational or conditional statements. And that's more along the lines, I would imagine, of not, you should kill Bob, but someone should kill Bob. And that's also going to be okay under their parentheticals. And you see here from the, the website that I found the news on, they're specifically attaching the dangers of this policy to the fact that Facebook banned Alex Jones and Laura Loomer and Milo and Louis Farrakhan uh, in May of this year under the dangerous individuals and organizations policy, which regardless of how you feel about these individuals in question, I think is the right connection to make, which is to say Facebook unilaterally in May says these people are dangerous individuals and organizations. And now according to their own rules as written yesterday, you would have been permitted to make all of these really problematic statements about them because Facebook had self-selected them for inclusion in this group. Now, I get into a lot of trouble on social media and online for basically advocating for nonviolence in basically all circumstances. And that's primarily a function of the fact that I am a lawyer. I'm a law and order guy. I've been to law school. I believe in the systems as flawed as they may be. And I believe in them over and above 
any given person's kind of vigilantism and deciding who deserves a punch in the face or who deserves a milkshake down the head or whatever it is that you might be discussing. This has been the first big instance that I can recall in the past six months of a social media site essentially saying, hey, all that stuff about it's okay to punch a Nazi, which is obviously not high severity violence, can be included as uh, allowed on the Facebook platform. It's okay to kill a Nazi uh, and other groups that we self-select. And that is an interesting thing. Now, the reason this episode isn't titled Facebook Goes Crazy and Allows Parenthetical Death Threats and instead is, is titled Facebook's About Face is because this was immediately reported on uh, as it happened yesterday and immediately reported on this morning. And Facebook pretty quietly started changing its policies, which is one of the reasons I couldn't quite find the exact references to the, the policies in Facebook. Couldn't get the archives to work. And that's why I'm appreciative of these images. The archives that I could get to work all verify that this did actually happen. So you can take that uh, as, as given for this video and for this podcast. But Facebook got to changing it very, very quickly. And we see those changes in the very next image uh, that the news shoot Twitter thread here puts out. Uh, so after that, after we saw the parentheticals that talked about allowing for media descriptions of bad things and market understanding of bad things, they limited their parentheticals. They limited them to only people that appear on the Facebook list. So we see calls for high severity violence here unless the target is an organization or individual covered in the dangerous individuals and organizations policy. I say, okay, so you got rid of the really ambiguous stuff. And so it's very clear who you're allowed to call for death threats on because they're going to have a list of people that are covered under their dangerous individuals and organizations policy, or at least one presumes that they would have that list and make it available for the public so that people could know who they're allowed to issue death threats of on Facebook. It's important information for people inclined to issue death threats to have. Uh, and this parenthetical change was made in the other spaces, the statements advocating for high severity violence and the aspirational or conditional statements to commit high severity violence. But Facebook again looked at this, and this was still reported as a problem for Facebook on some high-profile sites, uh, on some high-profile sites on the internet, primarily of a kind of conservative bent, uh, because I think what we're seeing right now in terms of the cultural discussion of Facebook and social media is this kind of breaking down the lines of, uh, in particular, conservatives feeling like they are being put upon by social media and social media's policies. Uh, and so you are seeing that standard kind of picked up by those groups. And that's where this kind of discussion appeared. I want to take a moment out from that to say, if I felt strongly about making statements on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or on Google of a political stripe, I would not be buoyed by the fact that I am on the side that Facebook has determined to be okay right now, or I wouldn't be solely basing my arguments against these groups if I just felt put upon right now from Facebook's leadership because I had conservative concepts. I really do think this is something that should transcend politics. These kinds of things where it's okay to issue death threats to people that we say it's okay to issue death threats is not a political question. It's a question of, wow, Facebook, that's a really dumb idea. That's an idea where I look at your corporation and I say, wow, I like you a little bit less. You have alienated me because you shouldn't be making those determinations. You shouldn't be determining who it's okay to issue death threats to. 
And I think Facebook understood that after some of the articles came out, probably after some phone calls were made, after some board meetings were had. And so what you see on the right side of your screen right now is what will pull up as the ultimate kind of end point for the community standards as of right now. And these things obviously are subject to change on a moment's notice, but that they finished up by saying, do not post threats that could lead to death of any target where threat is defined as a statement of intent to commit high severity violence, calls for high severity violence, including where no target is specified, but a symbol represents a target. So they combine the two bullet points in the middle. Statements advocating for high severity violence, which we still can't separate from calls for high severity violence, but that's fine. Or aspirational or conditional statements to commit high severity violence. No parentheticals anywhere to be seen. And what they finally wound up saying about this in their update to why this happened was that the language we previously used to describe our policies against violence and incitement was imprecise. We have since replaced it to more clearly explain the policy and underlying rationale. And I think that's great. We don't want imprecise language. We've talked about that a lot on this channel. But it's probably a little bit of an understatement for what actually happened here. What we saw from their initial kind of stab at this language, I believe, speaks to Facebook's thought process here. And so I think it's worthwhile to kind of break down. We see right now what they've got as the current community standards. This is live. This is their current standards as of 5 p.m. on July 10th, 2019. And we see that they don't have the parentheticals. Uh, but we also see a paragraph right before the do not post warning. And I think this is very informative for what they were trying to achieve in the original language and why it's probably still a concern if you regularly use Facebook, if you are concerned about the power they are trying to kind of accrete to themselves by using this language. And here's what they say. They say, in some cases, we see aspirational or conditional threats. So that's the last bullet point. That's not the first two or three bullet points, depending on your counting for the language that they use. We see aspirational or conditional threats directed at terrorists and other violent actors. For example, terrorists deserve to be killed, aspirational, and we deem those non-credible, absent specific evidence to the contrary. So you say, okay, first of all, I see a couple things. One, legal got to them, right? If legal wasn't involved or just was involved and wasn't paying attention when the original language was passed by their desk, legal got to them and said, hey, the, the one thing we should be doing here when we talk about this policy is we should be saying, okay, for certain specific classes of conversation, we don't deem this language to be credible, okay? All these things should happen and you live 3,000 miles away and you don't have any ability to do these things. That's not a credible threat. And the United States has long basically allowed generalized provocative language under the First Amendment to exist, even if it somewhat uh, assumes a kind of violent stance, as long as it's not an imminent threat to safety, as long as it's not a true threat to someone at that time. And there's a lot of court cases behind that. And that's a continuously kind of evolving and metamorphosizing area of law. That is well more time than a standard episode of virtual legality. Maybe we'll get to, into it at some point in time in the future. But these lawyers at Facebook said, hey, okay, so the one thing we can say is what we're trying to hit are things we don't deem to be credible. If you say all terrorists should die, we know that's a generalized statement. 
If you say, you know, terrorists should die in a fire, if you get a little bit more creative with how you're describing that, we don't view that as a credible threat of violence. That's a rhetorical flourish. And so we are not going to take an action against it. And that makes sense for what Facebook does. That makes sense for what we're talking about here. Threats that could lead to death of any target where threat is defined as the following. That's where they should have originally said, we're talking about credible threats. And oh, by the way, we're not going to deem certain rhetorical flourishes as credible. Now, when I talk to you about the start of reading this section, I talk to you about the fact that it's still a concern of the language that they had yesterday because you you can see what their thought process is and their thought process as an institution as of yesterday. And who's to say whether this has changed by now? But as of yesterday was essentially, hey, we all hate the people on our dangerous list. We all hate those groups. Those are all bad people. Because we all hate those groups, it's totally okay to issue death threats against them because we know that we're using rhetorical flourishes because everybody hates them and everybody issues death threats against them. And that's going to be okay because we don't view that as credible. Now, note, they've listed here terrorists and other violent actors. They didn't include a reference to their dangerous individuals and organizations list. They didn't include a reference to anybody specific. They didn't go so far as to include, as we saw in that first bit of language, news items and media descriptions of what might have happened as a basis for allowing death threats. Nope. Instead, they said, uh, essentially, violence is something that you can potentially issue a death threat under as a kind of aspirational claim because we don't view that as credible, which is a good thing because their dangerous individuals and organizations list is very, very broad. Terrorist activity, sure. Mass murder, sure. Human trafficking, organized violence or criminal activity, sure. Those are fairly easy groups to define. There is definitional issues there. Don't get me wrong. But those are easier groups to define than what is contained in their second bullet, which is organized hate. And you see this online all the time. This is really where the crux of the discussion as between Twitter and Google and Facebook and Instagram and everybody else is. And that's really what is hate and, and what is hatred of hate and is hatred of hate okay? And what do we have to be tolerant of and what do we not have to be tolerant of? And should Facebook's feelings on hate Trump, no pun intended, someone else's feelings on what hate is. And here we see Facebook's definition. And they say any association of three or more people. It's interesting that it's three. It's very much, you know, wherever a certain number of people have been before me, there where my church will be, uh, if you're religious at all. But any association of three or more people that is organized under a name, sign, or symbol, and that has an ideology, statements, or physical actions that attack individuals based on characteristics including race, religious affiliation, nationality, ethnicity, gender, sex, sexual orientation, serious disease, or disability. That's an, a hate organization. A couple things I see there. One is three people. Two is uh, a name, sign, or symbol. And it doesn't require physical actions, ideology, statements, or physical actions that attack. Attack is an interesting word right there as a lawyer. I said, what does attack mean? Do you mean physical attack? Do you mean emotional attack? Do you mean verbal attack? What are we talking about when you say attack? And then we get to based on characteristics. And if you followed virtual legality at all, you see the legal sleight of hand here. It says including all these things. And you read that as a normal person, as a lay person, and you say, oh, these are the things. These are the characteristics that are a problem. These are what make you a hate organization. But that's not what this says. This says including those things, which by contrapositive means that there are other things that could be characteristics. In fact, based on characteristics means anything. 
if you've got a Facebook site that really just abnormally hates uh, brown-haired people, then if you abnormally hate brown-haired people, that technically is a hate organization. Presumably, you could be satirical about that hate, and Facebook could make a reasoned determination about that. It could be comedic or something along those lines, but that's not what is said here. This just says attacks individuals based on characteristics. So if you just make memes that are anti-brown-haired people, then, hey, that might be an issue here, uh, even though it's not included. Hair color is not included in the listed characteristics, including as a bit of legal language, means essentially that this is only an example list and not the full definitive list of the characteristics that might be applied, which is all a long way of saying hate organization has a lot of breadth. It has a lot of ambiguity. It allows Facebook a lot of power to put somebody in there, to put someone in that grouping of people. Uh, and so it's interesting when you read all of what happened in the last 24 hours at Facebook and at their terms and conditions, and you look at it and you say, well, okay, so this is interesting. They've seemingly walked back a lot of their thought process. As we discussed, they've walked back what would be the parenthetical only to apply to aspirational or conditional statements. That's all you see in the paragraph right before the do not post. But we saw what they wanted to impose, and we can kind of understand how they got there. We can kind of understand that what they were trying to do, most likely, obviously all speculation, because I don't work at Facebook, you don't work at Facebook, and we're all just trying to interpret what happened, that they were trying to get to a place where they said, okay, obviously the internet is a place of rhetorical flourishes and hyperbole. What do we not want to have to worry about? What do we not want to have to police? They said, all right, well, people make kind of death threat type language about a lot of the people that are on our bad lists. And so we are going to add a parenthetical to say, hey, if you do that, basically, we don't think you're credible. We basically don't think you're actually going to kill anybody. You, we don't think you're actually calling for anybody to kill anybody because ev those are the people on the bad list. And we understand that this is just an expression of how bad the people on the bad list are. Whether or not that's okay with you, I think, is largely dependent on how you feel about freedom of speech in general, how you feel about the current political discourse and culture war aspects of what's happening on the streets of various cities and, and the continuing push towards the 2020 election. And I don't really want to get into politics too much on virtual legality, except to say, as I said earlier in this video and podcast, that I'm a general advocate for nonviolence. Uh, I think that the better way to prosecute people, the better way to help fix society is to go through the proper channels, to follow the rule of law, and to help advance peaceful resolution of these issues, even against people that you might very well hate and, and for good reason. Uh, but taking that onto your own shoulders is, is always a problem. Uh, and I think society in general benefits from having rule of law rather than a rule of men. Uh, and that's really from a political standpoint, all I want to say about that. Uh, finally, the last bit of kind of information I wanted to put forth here is you know, why did Facebook do this yesterday? What is happening at Facebook? What is happening at these social media sites? And I think it's worthwhile to note that this is all happening in the shadow of President Trump's social media summit tomorrow. And whether or not you agree with President Trump, whether or not you think this is a silly thing to be doing, to have a, a summit of social media folks that President Trump feels are put upon by Twitter, by social media, I think it is fair to say that the actions that Facebook took in the last 24 hours that they continue to take today are not completely separate from the notions that the White House uh, and some of the more powerful people in our government 
are taking a look closely at what social media is doing. They're taking a look closely at whether or not there should be new regulations added, new laws changed in respect of uh, Section 230, which gives a broad liability shield for these social media sites against uh, what people are saying on their sites. Uh, And this is, like so many other areas of American politics, an area of cultural tumult. There are a lot of well-meaning people on both sides. There are a lot of well-thought and well-spoken people on both sides uh, of what continues to be an issue. Uh, If you follow Virtual Gowdy, if you know my positions on these things in general, I'm okay with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Google and whoever else imposing their terms and conditions as they see fit. Uh, But I'm also in favor of people knowing what those are, uh, knowing what the potential problems are in the way they are imposing their terms and conditions, and basically knowing what you're getting into when you sign up, which is a, a contract that you're signing. And that's what I do for my day job is talk to people about contractual terms, talk to people about what they are getting into. And I think through information, through that sunlight, through that transparency, we can ultimately get to a better, uh, more uh, well-functioning social media landscape, internet landscape, and hopefully seems pie in the sky at this point in time, but government landscape uh, where people are are talking to each other and and reasoning out uh, what should be the way forward in laws and rules and regulations. Uh, So that's probably as political as virtual legality is ever likely to get because I do think this is adjacent to and abuts certain political questions that are hot topics today. If you have comments, if you want to tell me how much of an idiot I am, and I suspect there are a fair number of you that will want to do that based on the content of this video, please feel free to do so. Please let me know in the in the comments to this video or in reviews to my podcast or elsewhere or share it around on, on Reddit or wherever else you might find yourself on the internet. Please tell me your thoughts on these issues, what you see from the Facebook terms and conditions, what I might have missed in interpreting what happened over the last 24 hours, whether or not you're okay with it or whether you're not. I love having those conversations. I love doing those kinds of things in virtual legality. I honestly think even more so than a lot of the stuff that we talk about, this is an important issue. I think there are likely to be changes in the way social media functions, whether that's by law or whether that's on their own accord uh, in the next little while is is anybody's guess. Uh, But I do think this is something that is going to have a great deal of impact. This conversation is going to have a great deal of impact through 2020 uh, and beyond. We're really seeing social media really come under the magnifying glass uh, of what it means to have a platform, uh, what it means to moderate a platform, whether or not our laws, which were essentially built to regulate phone companies, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, are, are or should be applicable to the internet as they have been. And I'm in general in favor of, of companies being allowed to, to control their own infrastructure as they see fit, but also people to, to vote with their feet, vote with their wallets to get off that infrastructure if they don't like what they're doing. And certainly I don't like that initial bite of the apple that Facebook took on their terms and conditions. You tell me that death threats are okay for, against certain people that we deem, and that starts to look to me like a, a pretty big problem. Uh, but that might be different for you, so let me know. Otherwise, if you caught this video on my YouTube channel, please like, please subscribe. We are talking about areas of interest like this, like video games, like information technology, all the time. And if you caught this on a podcast and you're listening to it, please review it on the podcast service you found it on. That's very helpful in getting uh, virtual legality out there. Otherwise, I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.